Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. They besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and four of a cab of dove's dung, a wild vegetable, for five shekels of silver. As the king of Israel was passing up, uh, was passing by upon the wall, a woman cried to him, Help my lord, O king. He said, For if he does not help you, not let the Lord help you, from where can I get you help? Out of the threshing floor or out of the wine press? And the king said to her, What ails you? She answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son, so we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give your son, so we may eat him. But she had hidden her son. When the king heard the woman's words, he rent his clothes. As he went on upon the wall, the people looked, and behold, he wore sackcloth inside on his flesh. Then he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. Now Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him to behead Elisha. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, See how this son of Jezebel, a murderer, is sending to remove my head. Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet just behind him? And while Elisha was talking with them, behold, the messenger came to him, and then the king came also. And the relenting king said, This evil is from the Lord. Why should I any longer wait, expecting him to withdraw his punishment? What Elisha can be done now. Okay, may God grant us understanding. May God give us insight um, as we look at his word together. So, um, I know reading this story is, is very gruesome, isn't it? But I'm praying that, you know, this, you will see the spiritual application of his word to our lives. Now, the Bible started in verse 24. That scripture we read. He said, and it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. So, verse 24 tells us that the Syrians had come again to cause trouble for the children of Israel. You know, in verse 23, the Bible had said that, and you know, Elisha prepared food. He gave, with the king, of course, they gave the, the, Syrian, the Syrians that came to arrest Elisha. 
they gave them lovely breakfast and a great feast. And the Bible said, I ended verse 23. So the band of Syria readers came no more into the land of Israel. But beloved brethren, that was for a time. That was for a season. This king now, I, I presume is another king. That's my, that's my thinking. I might be wrong. But I think it's another king. Another king of Syria. He came now. And this time, he did not read. He only did a blockade. You understand? He, he did a blockade on Samaria. And he caused, because of this blockade, whereby food was not being brought into Samaria, food became expensive. Do you know, you know, this is something similar to what's going on now. I hope you will. Why is there queue in the petrol stations? Why is there queue? It's because we don't have tanker drivers who move fuel for us. One, some of the um, supermarket, some of our supermarkets, they are empty shelves. Why? Because the vegetables that are stacked up somewhere in one warehouse that has arrived cannot be moved to some of the stores. So something similar was happening here. In a sense. But of course, this is not as... What we are facing now is not as bad as what Samaria was facing. But you see, the question we want to ask ourselves is, so what is, what is the spiritual implication? What was happening here that we can draw lessons from? Remember, the Bible said, after, and it happened after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Samaria, gathered all his army and went and besieged Samaria. What does this mean? Do you remember when Jesus was also besieged by the enemy. When for 40 days, maybe we should go there. Should we go? Let's go to, maybe we'll go look at it in Luke. Luke chapter 4. Look at, look at Luke 4. I'm just trying, we are just trying to see a picture that the enemy doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't say, ah, you were victorious over me last time. I'm going to leave you alone. I will not visit you again. Sorry. That's not the enemy we we are dealing with. Look at Luke chapter 4. Can I I just read quickly? Luke 4 from verse 1. The Bible said, Then Jesus... Being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, So, excuse me. I know you, you look at it as if um, 
You know, when you read that scripture, it's as if the devil only came to, the, to Jesus three times. Look at what the Bible said. He was led, being tempted for 40 days. Does it not sound like beseeching? And you see, thank God, our Lord Jesus was victorious. Eh? But look at verse 13. Just because of time, I just want you to see. When the devil was hammered with the word of God, when Jesus um, was victorious over the enemy's temptation with the word of God, look at verse 13. Can somebody read it for us, please? Verse 13. Yes? Verse 13. Yeah, Abigail. Yeah, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Excuse me. Do you see what the Bible is saying? It's not as if the devil left him and never came back. The Bible said, left him. He departed from him until an opportune time. Another time. The devil left him and said, okay, you've dealt with me now. I'm coming back. I will look for another opportunity. He left him for an opportune time. Do you see that even for the king of Samaria, the Syrians only left for an opportune time. So this time they came back and they employed another tactic. We are not going to go in and and read them. We will stop any form of food from going in into Samaria. And beloved brethren, these tactics has not changed. The enemy is trying to ensure that you and I do not receive the true spiritual nourishment that will keep our souls going and being on fire for God. The enemy is going to employ everything to ensure that there is a spiritual famine in your life and in my life. He does it all the time. It hasn't stopped. He's still doing it up to today. He will organize a spiritual blockade whereby even if you need to eat any spiritual food, he's going to look for a way of feeding you with error. That is his plan. So we see here that even for Jesus, (laughs) the enemy came for 40 days constantly. But thank God, Jesus was victorious. But you see, I I was thinking, the devil will just leave Jesus alone and say, ah, I have been battered today. I can't come near you. The Bible said he left him for another time. So, excuse me. You know, I just want to say here, going back to our second kings, that, beloved brethren, let's know that the person we are up against is not somebody who will leave you alone. Even if you batter him today and you deal with him tomorrow and you, and you quote the word of God to him so that you become victorious, 
don't go and relax and say, ah, I am, I am okay now. I have dealt with him. He will never come back. Sorry. Unfortunately, that is the ministry the devil has. He's always coming back. He's always coming to check and see, how can I trip this person? How can I stop him from engaging with God? How can I see how he does not get true spiritual nourishment? The devil hasn't stopped this. Stopped this. But you see, the lesson for us is let us not give up. Let's not say, uh, you know, the devil is always coming back. Well, I have to leave him alone and let him do his job. Excuse me. Don't give in. The same way he is ruthless and trying to trip you up, the same way you must be resolved by the grace of God. You must insist on the, on the victory that Christ has made you free. You must stand in that victory. Nika, sorry, you wanted to say something. Uh, what I want to add with that, George, is uh, obviously uh, Satan can leave you for a while, but he will always look for an opportunity to come back to you. And probably when you were not able to pray and read the scriptures, when probably spiritually you will be uh, a little bit powerless spiritually, then that's the time that um, he can attack you. That's the time that he can present uh, a lot of temptation, especially probably if you're bombarded with a lot of a problem and then it seems sometimes there's no way out and then he will present solution that we think that we're going to solve our problems, but that will be against the word of God. And as I have mentioned, if we are weaker spiritually, then that's the time that he will attack. So I think as uh, believers in Christ, we need to be more vigilant because Satan is like a roaring lion who always looking for someone to devour. You see, what you said, you, thank God, you know, the word of God is so true. If you go back to that second king, it's very interesting that the enemy created a very terrible environment. The Bible said in verse 25 that there was now a great famine in Samaria. And beloved brethren, I don't know if you sense it. Even in our generation, there is the true word of God, the true nourishment. You see what the enemy did in Samaria, for Samaria where he gathered his army and stopped food from coming in. There was no buying or selling. People couldn't get food again. And it now created a famine. Spiritually, that is the enemy's agenda. He hasn't stopped. He wants to create a great spiritual famine. And you will agree with me that even in our generation now, to hear the true word of God is becoming very scarce. To hear the undiluted word of God that will nourish your soul, the truth. You know, was it not somebody telling me today eh, that, ah, oh, it's not somebody, it doesn't even forget. Do you remember? Fuke was telling me 
how one of the preachers in America said, the reason why Jesus has not come. <laughs> oh, no. The reason why Jesus has not come back is because people are not giving enough of money. People are not donating. They are not bringing money to the church. Can you imagine? The reason why Jesus has not come back is because there's no money in the church. Ah, ah! Where did he read it from? This is a preacher people listen to. This is a preacher who commands a lot of respect, I suppose. He's saying Jesus has not come back because you have not given your millions. Oh, I tell you, why don't you donate more millions of dollars, throw in your account, empty your account in God's work, and you will see God bless you. All those kind of things. And he's doing it. So some people will be deceived. They will say, ah, for, <laughs> for us to hasten Jesus coming, let us bring more money. Excuse me, is that the problem of the church? Honestly, that's not the problem of the church. It's not money. But a preacher is preaching that and is having a big platform. Spiritual family. The word of God is scarce. The genuine word of God is scarce. But see, let's, let's not talk about another preacher. Let's just look at the word of God for our lives. The Bible said in verse 25, and there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it ah, until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. Let's look at that scripture. It's very interesting. Excuse me, can I ask a question? How much meat, meat is in a donkey's head? If you were going to sell something for 80 shekels of silver, is it the head? If the head that does not contain a lot of meat is sold for 80 shekels, how much do you sell the thigh of a donkey that contains meat for eating? You see, the reason why I'm just analyzing it that way is because the famine, the enemy did it to a point whereby he wanted to make sure that the situation was becoming very desperate. But can I say one thing? That even if spiritually it is desperate, beloved brethren, once you know the truth, please insist on the truth. Live by the truth. Don't allow spiritual famine to drive you to the point whereby you give up all sense of humanity. Look at what happened here. You know that was what happened in this story. The enemy created a very bad situation to the point whereby people became cannibals. It is bad. But let's, we've not gotten there yet. Let's, let's keep reading. The Bible said, 
there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver, and one-fourth of the cub of dove droppings sold for five shekels of silver. Do you see the analogy there? That the feces of a dove even sold some money, sold for some money. <laughs> it's interesting to me. I don't know how you see it. That the farming was so bad that even feces, feces became valuable. Now, I know there's a, there might be various contexts to this, but I want you to understand the, the enemy we are dealing with, he can make things so bad. Can I show you another analogy? Another analogy in, in scriptures. Here, you know, the enemy was creating a spiritual famine for the people in Israel. That spiritual famine is not only going to affect the people in Israel, in Samaria, but the people in Samaria could not help other people outside. Now, let me show you something that happened in, in the book of Joshua. Joshua, is it Joshua chapter 6 now? Or is it chapter 4? Let me, just bear with me. Yes, Joshua chapter 6. Can somebody read verse 1? Joshua 6 verse 1. Yes. Joshua 6 verse 1. Yes. Now Jericho, a fenced town with high walls, was tightly closed because of the Israelites. No one went out or came in. Do you see what was going there? Going on there? The Bible said Jericho was securely shot because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. You know, apart from the spiritual famine that the enemy creates, he also wants to stop you and me from affected people outside. You know, for Jericho, there was no going in or coming out. So the people of Jericho could not interact with the people of Israel. The same way the enemy is trying to create this very bad situation whereby he is trying to stop me and you from reaching out to those people that need to hear the gospel. So it's not only trying to stop you from not hearing the truth of the word of God so that your soul can be nourished. He is also trying to stop you from reaching people outside with the gospel. And we need to be aware of this so that we can walk against it. God is just showing us this. I'm not saying it to glorify the enemy in any way. We are just, God is just using his word to open to us the tactics of the enemy. So we saw here in that second Kings, please can we go back there? We saw in second Kings that the situation was so bad 
And a donkey's head that doesn't contain a lot of nourishment was so expensive. That is how bad the enemy can make things. To create a very bad spiritual situation whereby it can be so bad that me and you, if we are not careful, we can lose our spiritual heart, our spiritual humanity, our love. You know, the Bible says in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. Those kind of situations, the enemy can create it. But please, the reason why we are discussing this is so that we can be aware and work against it and stand by the truth. No matter how bad he's trying to make things, no matter how um, um, unpopular he's trying to make the truth of the word of God, please, let us not bow to it. Let us insist on the truth. Let us stand strong in the promises the Lord has given us so that we are able to affect people. Even if he has shut the door of people's hearts so that they don't hear the gospel. Excuse me, what should we do? Let us pray and bulldoze those doors so that people can hear the gospel. That's our prayer. We are just highlighting these things so that God will give us victory. Now, look at what happened in verse 26. Then, as the king of Israel, and this is the crucial thing, then the king of Israel was passing on the wall, and a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my lord, O king. Wonderful. You know, for the woman, the situation had become so bad. Of course, the first thing she's to, the first, the first person she's, she's going to cry out to eh, is the king. Naturally. But excuse me, do you know when we're in this kind of spiritual family? For us, who should we cry out to? We must cry out to our own king, the Lord Jesus. We must cry out to him who is able to help. You see, our, our, because our, our warfare or our battle or our fight is not against flesh and blood, you cannot fight the enemy with physical weapons. We can only cry again. And you see, let us not let us not be shy from crying to our king. You know, for this woman, she did, she, you might look at it. Maybe she broke all protocol. Have you not seen people? Because they are desperate. They break normal protocol. This woman should not be shouting to the king. She should have gone through the proper channels and booked an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> with the king's personal secretary and fill the form. But because of spiritual desperation, she cried out. You know, I'm praying that we will always be desperate to receive God's help. 
Honestly, let that be our cry. She cried, Oh Lord, King, help. She, she cried to a human king. Beloved brethren, are we not in an advantage, an advantageous position to cry out to a spiritual, our spiritual king? You can't cry to Boris Johnson. Even Boris Johnson cannot fill his vehicle with petrol. <laughs> eh? Why don't you let us, why don't we learn to cry to the king first? The almighty king, our Lord Jesus, who understands what we are passing through. That's a lesson for us. That when we are faced with a situation, the first thing normally is to complain about the government. Ah, the government is not doing it. The government is not doing that. Beloved brethren, let's talk to God. Let's cry to the king. The real king. The king of the universe. Let's talk to him. And you see here in verse 27, because I think that's where we will stop. In verse 27, look at it. He said, this was the king talking. He said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? Oh, you know, this scripture encourages me. You know, this king understood that this is no longer um, a, a king situation. If the Lord, you know, the, 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 the king did not say, oh, you know, like you normally will say, like people will say, well, we are formed a committee. We are looking into the matter. <laughs> we are going to be sending an entourage to the Ben Haddad to talk to him so that he will let go and allow food and provisions to come in so that people can buy. The king did not say that. The king knew where the problem was and he needed to call on God. He told the woman, if the Lord does not help you, where? Where can I? I another see even the situation you are in, I am also in, in it. Where can I find help? We can only go to God. We can only cry on Him. We can only go and fall at the Lord's feet and say, Lord, help us. And beloved brethren, I think it's good we adopt this kind of heart at all times. A heart that is always looking up for help. Maybe when when the 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 siege of Samaria started. Maybe they thought they could manage it until the situation became bad that the head of a donkey became 80 shekels in price. Maybe they should have started calling on God before this situation became very bad. Let us not wait until things become very bad before we cry unto God. Yes, Kevin. Um, can, can you help us out a bit, George? You know, we talk, he's talking here about Samaria. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the king of Israel. Yes. He's talking as if the king of Israel is in the besieged city in Samaria. Uh-huh. And Elijah is by the River Jordan now, I think. We moved at the start of the chapter. Okay, um, yes. So, so what do you think is the, the geography? Where is everybody living? 
And how extensive do you think that famine is? Because it looks like it's an actual, you know, a famine in Samaria that the king actually used as an opportunity to then besiege them, to shorten the time of the the siege. So he picked his time, basically. Okay, he picked his time. Is it, I I don't understand, is it that he, even if, if you look at the geography, at this time, Israel had not divided. Right. So Israel was still one whole country. Isn't it? Samaria, the whole of Israel was not yet divided into Judea mm-hmm. and, and um, Israel. Mm-hmm. It was still one whole country. Now, the, the siege, depending on where, like now, the siege was at Samaria. So food was not entering Samaria. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of the country, to be honest, because the Bible did not say anything about it, I, don't, I can't really comment on that. I can only talk about, you know, what was happening with the people at that time. Now, for, for, what, I can, for what I can glean from here, I mean, I may be wrong. I, I sense very strongly that the king of Syria concentrated on Samaria. And the king, king of Israel. Sorry, the king of, the king of, sorry, the king of Syria here. Right. No, he was king, it was the king of Syria that caused the siege. Mm-hmm. So he might have chosen Samaria for a couple of reasons. One, maybe because the king was there. I don't know how you think. Because mm-hmm. if you look at um, the, the previous, the previous um, chapter, sorry, the previous verses ahead, you know, the Bible said, when Elijah um, prayed that those soldiers, their eyes will be covered with blindness. Mm-hmm. And he, he led them, the Bible said, in verse 20. Look at verse 20. So, it was, no, let's read from verse 19. Now, Elijah said to them, this is not the way, no, this is the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So, it was, when they had come to Samaria, and Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were inside Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, so the king of Israel was in Samaria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what I'm suspecting, that Ben-Hadad besieged Samaria because the king of Israel was there. And you know, Thank God you raised this question because it's giving me some insights. When the enemy is targeting your heart, do you know he's aiming to make sure that he stifles the life of Christ in you? He's targeting, you see, it's just coming to me. I might be wrong, please. Let's talk about it. He's targeting where the king of your heart should be. Where Jesus should be, when the enemy wants to deal a great blow to you, he does, you know, he's not usually as effective. I'm not saying he can't be, but he's not usually as effective when he uses outside things. What he's using outside things to do is to target where the king of your heart, which is Jesus, should be residing. The same way he's targeting Samaria here because the king of Israel was in Samaria. And I'm seeing all of a sudden now that 
His tactics has not changed, even up till now. He's trying to see where is your heart. If your heart is in Jesus, and your heart is where Jesus should be, where Jesus should be king over, what does he do? He targets your heart. And even for us now, that it, it might look like an illustrative representation of what God is trying to show us. That it looks to me that Ben Hadar targeted Samaria because the king of Syria, sorry, the king of Samaria was, sorry, the king of Israel was in Samaria. So that, that's what I, I am, I'm seeing there. Do we know which king that was? Or that? No, I, I, honestly, I don't know. Um, the two things it might be King Ahab. Oh, because of the previous. Well, can can we check that? Let me see. And Ahab was married to Jezebel. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, that is a that is a serious matter. But you see, but whichever king it was. Whichever thing is what, the, the main thing is for us, we must be concentrating on our own king, which is Christ. And, you know, we saw here that that king, that king um, cried on, when the woman cried unto him for help, he was trying to direct that woman's cry to heaven. And I think that is a good lesson for us because, you see, we are going to come across brethren who can come to us, you know, pray for me, pray along with me, you know. You know you can't do anything in your power. You can only direct that prayer to God. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's a, I know we haven't quite got there yet, but I think it's very significant that Ahab was wearing sackcloth under his robes. Mm. So he was, he was certainly worried for everybody. And he was, you know, sort of, he kept it a bit like, you know, you don't, um, you know, you, you look good when you're prayer and fasting sort of thing, yeah. you know, you don't do that. Yeah. You, so, so again, I think it shows where, um, where, uh, you know, we, we often focus on people's bad behavior, including mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters. We judge them. Yes. And we, we judge characters in the Bible very, very harshly as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they often are, are doing, doing, doing some good things and doing yeah. some bad things, it's percentages, really. Yeah, <laughs> you can see work. what this thing did. It, it yeah. was really encouraging, even from the fact that the woman cried unto him. And, you know, the answer was, if the Lord does not help you, isn't that a good way of taking responsibility? Or you, are, you are taking responsibility not for yourself, but you are actually directing the woman to where true help comes from. That is a powerful thing to do. A king that has come to a point to understand that, ah, I, I don't have help. If the Lord does not help you, where can I find that was king. Yes. What's the name? Uh, Joe. Joe. Eh? Joe. Oh, you are. You've yeah. checked it out. 
Samuel has done a bit of research here. He says it's Jehoram, the ninth king of the northern kingdom of Israel, who was son of Ahab and Jezebel, brother to Ahazah and Ataliah. Why is it this? Why is it this? Uh, why is it that fight? Yes. How why how do you relate it to this time in Second Kings chapter six? Oh, uh, because it was the same time as he was besieged by. Okay, it was the same time. Anyway, you, you know, we can go into talk about whether it was Ahab or his son, but the main thing is, you know, the the main thing or what the Bible is teaching us is can we learn to cry to God rather than human beings best? You know, can we I know it's natural because it's human beings we see best when we are in a problem. We can see here, this woman cried to the king and the king said, see, if the Lord does not help you, I cannot help you. That's exactly what he was, he was saying. He was saying here, if the Lord does not help you, where can I help find help for you? And we still so, need, yes. but, we, but we still need to cry out to the Lord with a godly heart. Yes, the, uh, the cry, the cry that the king does, as we see later on, isn't very godly, is it? Yeah, no. Now that is where we now have to study to notice that, you know, at the end of the day, there was something the king said at the end of that talk. He said, "Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Mm-hmm. Do you see what has happened to his heart now? He was encouraging somebody to cry to the Lord, but it has gotten to a stage now where he's no longer to wait, no longer to, he's no longer." willing to wait for God to move and to act. And you see, it happens to us all the time that you have been praying about something and because you've not received an answer, you lose faith. You say, I can't wait for God again. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I, I, we, we, I've heard the story of a lady who has been praying for a husband, you know, life partner and all that. And she has been waiting on God, but nothing has happened. So she said, she was telling other Christians, I'm tired. I'm going to marry anybody. Anybody that just comes, I will marry. <laughs> I cannot wait again. You know, and it happens to us. We think God has no head. We think God is not interested. You are not ready to wait for God's timing. So what do you do? You say, I can't wait. And most times, look at what this king was going to do. He was going to go and kill Elisha. When you don't wait for God again, most times, the next action you take is going to be sin. It's going to be sinful. And that's what he was going to do. He was going to cut somebody's head off because he can no longer wait for God. So what's the lesson there? Let's learn to cry on God. And not only cry, but also to wait for him. Being assured of the confidence that when God decides to act, he will will bring his word to pass. He whoever waits for God, permit me to use this. You know, they say the patient dog eats the father's bone. I tell you, the person who waits for God eats the father's bone. The person who relies and waits on God, his strength will be renewed. He's going to be encouraged. He's going to grow in faith in God because you have waited for him. 
And there's every advantage in waiting for God. You know, and I'm trusting that you see, God will help us because we are just reading this story. But let's not remove ourselves from it because some of these challenges, we face it all the time. When we are faced with the problem, most times, you want to complain, you easily complain to people. But God has not heard you in the days of prayer. You've told this person, you've told that person, you've told this person about the problem, but you've not told heaven. You know, and God is waiting for our cry. He wants us to cry. He wants us to talk to him. Let it be part of our mindset to be quick at taking things up to God so that he can hear us, so that we can, we can relate with him. He's itching. That's what God is itching for. That's why he says, ask and you shall receive. God is itching for your communion with him. He wants you to ask. You know, and I trust that as the Lord helps us, He will will be able to, by His grace, um, by His grace, encounter Him in this way. So, I think I will stop here, so that we yes. I was just uh, checking up on the couple of the the questions, the facts that were raised. Yes, that Samuel. um, So this the king that that wanted to, you know, that king in the story. Yes. Jehoram, the son of Ahab. Okay. Because he was referred to here as the, the, the son of Jezebel, isn't it? When he said he wanted to kill him. Okay. And Elisha said, who is this son of Son Jezebel? of a murderer. <laughs> and, uh, and I confirmed that from a, uh, just one, from Wikipedia. Yes. He was a king at that time, Jehoram. Mm. And then um, the distances from Dothan to Samaria and things. So Dothan uh, is five miles southwest of Genin, 11 miles northeast of Samaria, and 13 miles north of Shechem. So it's roughly the same area, really. Mm. So this was from, this from studylight.org. Okay. Yes, so it's five miles, so 11 miles northeast of uh, of Samaria. Hmm. So they would have reached Elisha in pretty good time. In pretty good time. Okay. Thank you very much, you know, for you guys for bringing that up. Um, And, you know, it's, it's important for us to also, you know, take note of these lessons because... Is something that we encounter all the time. You know, when the Bible, when that woman cried, help my Lord, O King. And the, the king said, if the Lord doesn't help me. You know, so it's interesting that Elijah, um, Ahab's son had some understanding of God. At least a bit. He knew where help truly comes from. Look at what he said. He said, from, he said, he said, where can I find help for you? Is it from the threshing floor or from the wine press? Do you know, actually, when there's hunger, where do you get food from? <laughs> it's from these places he mentioned. Isn't it? You, you get grain from the threshing floor. Isn't it? You get wine 
from a wine press, isn't it? Those places he mentioned were the places you get food from. But he said, well, even threshing floor and wine press is empty. There's nothing there. To show you how desperate the situation was. And you know, this throws some spiritual light again. That actually, it's only God. Even if there's grain in the threshing floor, eh? if God doesn't bring it, it's going to be empty. These are also places where, in times of plenty, you know, you leave a little grain lying around. You don't sweep it all up. Or if the wine's pouring out, you leave it in the bottom of the vat. You don't suck it up with a straw or something like that. So, this is where food comes from. Yes. But even those places were empty. You know, by God's grace, if we know the end of the story, there were grains, isn't it? There was grain. The threshing floor and the wine press brought food again. There was food there again. But if the Lord does not bring food, even those places are going to be empty. You know, so I just think that God should help us carry this kind of heart. A heart that looks up to God all the time. A heart that will not cry unto man first, but cry unto God. And also, we must be, we must not be ignorant of the devil's devices. That's what scripture encourages us about. So that we can take our stand in, in the word of God and in what God has said. May God help us um, as we keep calling on him. So I'll stop here. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 